It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, May 31st, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this is Raven News. Sitka's teachers on the last day of school ratified a new contract that union representatives say restores salaries to a competitive level in the region. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Mike Vieira, president of the Sitka Education Association, did not disclose the ratification vote, but he did say that a fair deal usually means that both sides are a bit uncomfortable with the outcome. Nevertheless, he's glad that the contract impasse, the first since 1997, is at an end. We look forward to having two years of labor peace with the district and focusing on teaching and learning. The two-year contract is unusual. In the recent past, the district and the teachers have negotiated three-year contracts, but there was concern among union members about locking in salaries at a level that could be outrun by inflation. The Sitka Education Association's lead negotiator, Tim Pike, says concerns over inflation were such that the union entered negotiations with a one-year contract in mind, but some restructuring of the salary schedule eased that worry. Two-year contract made sense to people. Um, the second year is just a straight 2% raise. Um, and so front-loading it really does help if you kind of, you know, as you amortize it, I guess, over two years, it, it does add up to a you know, fairly significant amount of increase. We are taking a bit of a risk on the second year. But no, we didn't get hardly any pushback. Under the former salary schedule, it took 21 years for a teacher to reach the top of the pay scale. The new schedule takes that down to 20 years, and in addition, the bottom rung of the scale, the zero year, is eliminated. That means most teachers in the district will get a double-step increase in pay next year, with each step worth roughly $1,200. Pike says it amounts to about a 4 to 6 percent increase, depending on where a teacher falls on the pay scale. That moves Sitka from having around the lowest starting pay for teachers in the region into second. But Pike cautions that Ketchikan and Juno are still in negotiations. He says better pay ultimately serves the best interest of students. Now we started the process by saying we had to be competitive and we had to do what was best for our kids, which is to make sure we have an opportunity to hire the best teachers. And in order to do that, you have to have a competitive salary schedule. And so, you know, yes, there's a little self-serving in that, too. We want more, want more money. But, but really, down the road, you know, we have 22 teachers at the very top corner of that salary schedule. And that means that they've been teaching for more than 20 years. And they're all close to retirement. And so how are we going to replace those 22 teachers? They will be cheaper when you replace them. But how do you replace them if you don't have a competitive salary schedule with people of who have the ability either to get to that level or the of, of experience or, you know, come in. We want to be able to pick. We don't want to just get who shows up. Pike added that there is a bit of catch-up going on. In each of the last two three-year contracts, teachers accepted one year of no salary increase. That, plus staying ahead of inflation and becoming competitive within the region, were the driving issues behind salary negotiations. Under the new agreement, a first-year teacher with a bachelor's degree would earn $54,583. A teacher with a bachelor's degree and a master's degree with over 15 years of experience would earn $87,138. The new contract also allows teachers hired under the state's Tier 3 retirement plan to supplement their savings by contributing their unused annual leave. The Sitka School Board is scheduled to vote on the new contract with teachers and the new contract with support staff at its regular meeting on June 1st. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey.
The Sitka School Board on Wednesday is also scheduled to accept the resignation of Board President Andrew Hames. In his letter, Hames wrote that he is resigning to pursue an opportunity that would put me in direct conflict with serving on the board. In an interview with KCAW, Hames confirmed that he intends to apply for the position opening up with the retirement of Sitka High music teacher Mike Kernin. Hames's resignation will become effective on June 2nd, and the board will have 30 days to name a replacement to serve in his seat until the October municipal election. Just about every community in Southeast has an official who is in charge of administering driving tests. In Sitka, for many years, we had DMV Donna. In Juneau, the equivalent was Uncle Ray, whose recent passing has created a void for license seekers in that community. KTOO's Jennifer Pemberton has this remembrance. Taking your driver's test is a rite of passage, but if you're like most people, you probably don't remember much about it, except for maybe the parallel parking. And you probably don't remember the person sitting in the seat next to you with their foot hovering over the emergency brake pedal. That is, unless you grew up in Juneau in the last 20 years, where many teenagers took their driving test with Rinaldo Caparas, known to most as Uncle Ray. I would say with confidence, my dad would love to be remembered as the DMV guy. Marina Banks is one of Caparis's daughters. My, my dad physically was a very, just a petite man, but his personality was just so big and strong and just filled the room. I always knew my dad loved, you know, knowing everybody in the room and, um, and having the intention on him, but until my dad passed away, I never realized how much my dad filled a room. Caparis was born in 1955 in Manila, in the Philippines. When he was a young man in his 20s, he got a job on a cruise ship, first as a line cook and then as an entertainer. Oh my gosh, yeah, my dad had a very strong, I want to say, I, I would say my dad was an alto, and uh, he just loved the spotlight for sure. After a few years of visiting Juno on the ship, he decided to immigrate. Partly, his daughter says, because there were so many Filipinos here, but mostly because he met his wife Melba here and decided to stay and start a family. In the 80s and 90s, he worked at various hotels around town. He worked for Delta Airlines. He had a gift for customer service. He eventually landed a job with the state at the DMV, where he worked for 20 years. One time we gifted my dad um, a gag gift of a fart machine and he brought it into the DMV and he would place it in random spots in the office when it's like filled and there's like a long ass line and my dad would have he had the little remote and he'd like play it off and it sounded like someone farted in the corner and it was and my dad thought that was so, so funny. He made people laugh at the DMV. He retired from the DMV at the end of April and spent a lot of his time at the other place people knew him from, the gym. Even in his late 60s, he would brag about, oh, yeah, you know, I'm still playing basketball with all the high schoolers and I can keep up, Marina. I'm, I'm, I'm going to live to be 100, is what he used to tell us. And that's where he was when he collapsed in mid-May. According to one family member, he told the paramedics that he didn't even get a chance to enjoy his retirement yet. He later died at the hospital of a pulmonary embolism, a blood clot, which is hard for the family to swallow because he was so healthy. About 10 years ago, his daughter says, he started eating really healthy. He stopped eating pork and white rice, staples of Filipino food. 
But he got COVID earlier this year. And Banks, who is a nurse, thinks that maybe that contributed to the clotting. She admits she's not an expert, but there is some comfort in blaming COVID, something to offer an explanation for the suddenness of it. In the Filipino Catholic tradition, mourners pray with the body for nine days. The Caparis family didn't do that exactly, but they did host two days of long viewings where dozens of people came to pay their respects. So Filipinos are very spiritual when a death happens and very superstitious. After the viewings, she said the strangest thing happened. The family came home and the room filled with the scent of flowers and her dad's cologne. She says he wore way too much of it, but it made the smell unmistakable. And so my mom would just sit in there and talk to my dad, you know, let him know that we're here. And then he'd be gone in the morning. And it returned the next night when they got back from the viewing. Banks says that since they're not ready to let him go, they will hold on to him this way until even the scent of him has moved on. Ronaldo Caparis died on May 16, 2022. He was 66 years old. He left behind his wife, Melba, six kids, and eight grandkids. In Juneau, I'm Jennifer Pemberton. Early and absentee in-person voting began Friday for the U.S. House special primary election to fill the vacancy created by the passing of Don Young this spring. It's the state's first by-mail election, and ballots have already been sent to registered voters. But Alaskans can also vote in person at one of 170 sites. Gail Fanumiai, the director of Alaska Division of Elections, has a couple of reminders if you choose to vote in person. Make sure that um, you know the hours of operation. Um, and be prepared to show identification when you when you appear to vote in front of the election official. Alaskans can check the hours of their local voting locations online at elections.alaska.gov. In Sitka, the location for the special primary is Blatchley Middle School, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. A ballot will be provided at the voting location. Fanumiai says Alaskans who vote in person should not mail in a ballot. They can destroy their ballot at home by tearing it and disposing of it. If they have a shredder, they can go ahead and shred it. Alaskans choosing to vote by mail must have their ballots postmarked by Election Day, Saturday, June 11th. Voting officials encourage mailing ballots early since many rural post offices send mail to Anchorage to be postmarked. And there's a third way to vote. Fanumiai says voters can also drop off their mail-in ballots at the in-person voting locations. And they have ballot boxes say that they would be able to leave their ballot with the election official, as well as any of our five regional offices around the state. People can um, hand deliver their ballots there as well. As of Wednesday, May 25th, the state has received more than 83,000 ballots, according to the Division of Elections. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.